And it represents walking through uh, open doors that the Lord gives to us. And I'm just going to take a few minutes this morning um, to share some things about that. Um, For me, discerning God's will has become just a simple thing. I knock on a door. If it opens, I walk through. If it doesn't open, I learned a long time ago not to push it open. And when the doors open, I walk through. Sometimes I don't knock and they open and I, I, can, I, I, can't, I don't have enough hands to count how many times things have fallen in my lap. When I didn't know what to do, I was desperate and asking God what's next, and then all of a sudden something came as uh, oftentimes as a surprise that I never even thought of. And today is one of those days. We're getting to celebrate an open door that the Lord opened up to us unexpectedly a little over a year ago, and here we are. We have this opportunity f- before us, and so uh, together with all, uh, with all of you, we're walking through this door, and one of the things I'm real grateful for is, you know, I'm not resigning and then going off to the uh, back 40 or something. I, I, because of Brian's graciousness and everything, I have a great opportunity with Centerpoint to work in some areas that I love to do in terms of equipping and providing care for people, and so uh, some of you wondered what I'm going to be doing the next few weeks, uh, the le- at least the next six months, I'll be over at Massapequa and helping John Eulen at the, the campus there with different things that he needs, whatever he needs, and just kind of hanging out. And so um, in walking through these open doors, I couldn't have done it over these last several years. Um, it was about 40, 46 years ago I I asked Kathy's dad if I could if I could marry Kathy and uh I was in their living room at um, in Watsonville, California. <coughs> and he said with kind of a funny grin on his face as long as you don't take her more than 50 miles away. <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know that I can't promise that." And he he said, "I know, but I trust you." And so uh uh this this month, Kathy and I celebrate 45 years together in marriage. <laughs> and and she knew she knew when she said yes 46 years ago that um, we would be on a journey. But I, I don't think she even realized we neither one of us realized what this would look like in terms of um, the price the price that she's had to pay in terms of being away from family. and But in the midst of it, we have gained more family. And we're both grateful. And uh, there's a price when you walk through the open door. But the Lord is faithful in the midst of all of it. And I want to have uh, Kathy come up in just a moment. But you guys all know that in 2010, she'd had a dream about us being in a building and watching a nursery truck come up and young families asking if they could help us to plant and um, look around. We're in that building. And Kathy, if you could come up. and We've got a painting hanging on the back wall that represents that. And 
you guys don't know this, but I, I've only written about 10% of my sermons. Most of them have come from Kathy over the years. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, if, if you think about this painting and what it represents, and it's just, you're just a small part of it. And Scott and Melanie, I just think about what the years are going to be like ahead. And now we have the opportunity to, to hand off to you. You're, you represent those, along with Brian and, and everybody that we've served with, you represent those that have come and said, what can we do to help? Literally. And uh, so this is just the beginning because I believe there's going to be uh, tens of hundreds of people that are going to come to Scott and Melanie and to Centerpoint and say, what can we do to help? And I also believe that what's going to happen out of this, and this is a dream that we've all had as a leadership and as a church for a long time, that uh, you know, Center uh, Stony Brook's becoming, I don't know, which campus are we, six, five or six? And uh, I th there's going to be more campuses that come out of Center Point through Stony Brook. And we're excited about that opportunity. So, <laughs> so, um, so we make an investment into the Lord, and nothing that we invest in Him ever returns empty. And as we think about it, that painting's really a picture of Brooklyn to Montauk, in a lot of ways. And he has met us on the other side of every door that he's opened. And the nature of this open door, I think, is described for us in a passage of scripture I want to read part of is First Chronicles chapter 28. And it's the story of David handing off the reins of leadership to Solomon. As David had this vision of planting or, or building a, a building or a temple for the Ark of the Covenant. I have a lot of plans that I'm not going to get to be literally part of. I'll be involved indirectly. But there's reasons that David was not allowed, and I think there's some parallels. So it's First Chronicles chapter 28. I'm just going to read the first 10 verses. It says, David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king. Verse 2 says, King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for building. But God said to me, You may not build a house for my name, for you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord God of Israel chose me from all my father's house to be king over Israel forever. For he chose Judah as leader, and in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among my father's sons, he took pleasure in me to make me king over Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen Solomon, my son, to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, It is Solomon, your son, who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he continues strong in keeping my commandments and my rules as he is today. Now, therefore, in the sight of all of Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance to your children after you forever. 
And you, and this is a charge that he made to Solomon, and in some ways, Scott, I'm making this charge to you as well. Solomon, my son, know that the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Be careful now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. David's the man of war. And Solomon is promoted to accomplish what David had prepared before him. And I think there's a parallel in this story, and analogies break down along the way, but I think it's close. You all know that the last few years, and the consistory in particular, Jay and Jeff, if I hadn't had them stand beside me in this battle we've been in with all that we went through in terms of this process of withdrawing from one denomination to join another. Um, in some ways, I feel like we've, I've been the man of war. War removes the problem so the man of peace can build a solution. It's like clearing away a dilapida dilapidated building so, so builders can construct something new. And there's a lot of ministries, it's their assignment to be kind of a war-type sort of ministry, a war-type approach to ministry. They oppose their government as well as other churches when they violate what they think is correct. They confront their denominational leaders. We've done a little bit of that. And anyone else who lacks the insights they carry, they are war and conflict-minded. And I think if you think about it, they'll describe someone you know. That seems to have been what the assignment was. I didn't quite realize it along the way. But I'm not going to get the privilege to be firsthand involved in doing what I dreamed of when I first came here eight years ago, eight and a half years ago. But one thing that's, that's really an encouragement and should be an encouragement to all of us is from the very beginning, we always talked about looking for the person of peace. The person of peace that would help us do what God had called us to do. And so it's recorded twice, once in Matthew and once in Luke. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus sends the 12 disciples out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But even with that mandate, he says, and it will skip down to verse 12 and 13, as you enter a house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And his message to them in that passage and also in Luke was to find the person of peace. And if there wasn't a person of peace, then leave the house and go on to another house that would receive you. Paul made the statement in Corinthians, he said, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And today we reflect on all that God has done and we choose to pivot towards what he's going to be doing because of the mark that he has made on this place. David was effective for God, but Solomon took everything to another level. Their assignments were different but complementary from a kingdom perspective. 
the transition from David to Solomon was an extreme transition from the man of war to the man of peace. It's interesting. Do you know what Solomon's name means? It means peace. David was the man all the nations feared. Solomon was the man the leaders of the nations wanted to be with. Israel transitioned from being feared to being admired, all because they had a king who had received an unparalleled promotion from God in wisdom, and the nations came to learn of his wisdom. I don't know if this is prophetic or not, but this is what I'd like to believe. I'm going to believe that that picture of people coming to this building and coming to this place, this, this ministry, this church, that all of a sudden there's going to be an onrush of people coming and saying, we found out there is peace here and we need peace. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but several years ago, before, before even Crossroads Church started, and I think I told Brian this story, but Dave and Janine Jansen, who were part of the Metro District of the Christian Missionary Alliance, they came to visit and pray with us one day. And we were walking around the building, and Janine, she found a key in the parking lot. And she said, you know, a key is prophetic because a key opens doors. And I'm going to believe that God is going to open doors for you and Kathy and for the people that God brings to you. And so she put the key on the cross that's outside the sanctuary. We looked for the key the other day and we couldn't find it. I don't know what's happened to it. But that key sat there for a long, long time. Symbolic of open doors. Symbolic of making opportunities that obviously were God's opportunities. And we're sort of experiencing the same thing in this transition. God has given us the key. He's given us the key to move forward. That's a good thing, everybody. That is a really good thing. If we're not wondering, we know what God has provided for us. We've made an investment of prayer and time and energy and finances, and today we're, we're getting the chance to see the beginning of the return of our investment for Him. We uh, have sought for a man of peace, and God crossed our paths with Brian in Centerpoint. How do you say Dennis's last name again? Hodulik. Dennis Hodulik was the pastor of Abundant Life Church in Bayshore for many, many years, and it became one of the first Centerpoint campuses. And Dennis serves as a pastor, a care pastor still, even though that church is now a Centerpoint campus. He handed over the reins of that church. One time when I first started going over to Centerpoint sometime last year, Dennis, we were walking back from a meeting, and he told me something about Brian. <laughs> he said, you know, I've been around a lot of leaders over the years, but I haven't met someone with the leadership instincts like Brian had, especially for a man at his age. He, he is a leader beyond his years. I tucked that away, and I remembered as I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking this morning, 
that God has literally given given us an opportunity that we couldn't have even possibly dreamed of. We looked for the person of peace and God brought the Stony Brook Scott and Melanie Kreps and their family. What you need to know about Scott and Melanie is, you know, they moved here from Utah. You all understand Utah is a mission field. And they turned down other opportunities that had come their way when God was leading them to leave Utah. But the reason they wanted to come here was because they saw this as an opportunity and a mission field. They are literally persons of peace. So the the mandate that God gave to us many years ago has been fulfilled. Today is a promotion. Our promotion is intended to put us before people in such a way that they see the nature of God and they long to know him. Today is about an encounter with the community and the nations. Today is about Brooklyn to Montauk for the sake of the gospel and the expansion of the kingdom of God. Promotion on us is inviting to others, and when God promotes us, he reveals his heart for mankind, and he draws others to him through us. Some of you have asked the question, maybe some of you are wondering if I'm sad or I have any regrets today. Life for me has always been about growing. It's always about learning and being grateful. It's such a privilege to serve God, to serve his people. And I've learned a lot over the last eight plus years. I've benefited from relationships with all of you that I will, I will treasure for the rest of my life. I have been reminded once again that God is always faithful and nothing for him is ever wasted. I have a settled peace today about this transition and what the future will bring. And I just want to encourage you to have the same, the same peace. Today is not the end of something. It's, it's a promotion. Because nothing that is ever invested for God is ever wasted if we trust him with what we hold in our hands. Especially over these last several months, this last year, as we've been in this transition from one denomination to the other, uh, Jay and Jeff probably won't know what to do with all the extra time on their hands. I think I've spent more time talking to the two of them and them talking to each other over the last year than anybody in a long time. I'm appreciative to them. I'm appreciative to all of you, Leighton, DJ, and for your leadership together. As I said earlier, the worship team, worship has been special to us. But more than any of that, uh, I want to thank you for trusting Kathy and I for the privilege to invest into your lives. I mean, we were thinking as we were talking about, you know, we were going to recognize the volunteers. Well, <laughs> we'd have to just have everybody stand up because you've all been involved in something these last several years to some extent. So I think uh, it would be good if we would just stand up because I, I want us to recognize each other. You all right, Jeff? 
And uh, look around for just a minute. You know, Michael is thanking people in the middle there. I want to tell you something about Michael. He and I didn't know each other until we met in Rotary. And, uh, he, you know, he, God had put him on a spiritual search. And uh, I'm thankful that he brought our paths together because uh, he's been an encouragement to me. And uh, it's been such an enjoyment to see how God's been working in his life. Even in the midst of this weird year that we've had, it's been, he's been faithful every week to be here. So um, as we stand, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you just to applaud each other and just as a way of thanking each other for your commitment to what we've done these last several years. All right? I'd like you to remain standing for just a minute and um, and I'm going to ask Jeff and Leighton to come and share in just a moment but before I do that I want you all to extend your hand over here to the Krebs family and over to Brian because one of the things that David said to Solomon at the end of this passage was these words, and I would like to make these words words that we extend to them. David said to his son Solomon, and I'm saying it to Brian and Scott and Melanie and their kids, be strong and courageous and do what the Lord has assigned you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed for the Lord God even my God is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. And the divisions of the priests and the Levites and all his people for the service of the house of God and with you in all the work will be every willing man and woman who has skill for any kind of service. Also the officers and all the people will be holy at your command. And may the Lord bless you with all the blessings that come with that charge. Amen. You may be seated. And I'm going to ask Brian and Leighton to come. I mean, Brian and Leighton. Jeff and Leighton to come. Brian, Brian's going to come in just a minute. But uh, they have a couple words to share. We need to pray for healing today, too. Just stiffness. So we do believe in healing. So. Poor Jeff.
I want to call up Brian and Scott at this time. Brian McMillan, for anybody that doesn't know, is the lead pastor of, of Centerpoint and uh, has a great vision for our island. And uh, Scott, if you'll come too. And Kathy, you can bring that up. And they're going to... 
if you'd like to share whatever the Lord's put on your heart to share. And
So, so just to be clear, don't look for Kathy and I at the parsonage. We don't live there anymore. <laughs> I don't even have a key to the place anymore. Scott and Melanie are officially there and in there, and the kids are enrolled in the Three Village Schools, which is a great, great opportunity to be praying for them as they settle in. And uh, we are settled in Fayville, and we are, we will be around. You'll see us every once in a while. We'll sneak in. So. One of the things that we want to do before we close in a moment with a last song is we want to take this as a baton 
representing and symbolizing the handing off of not the end of something, but the handing off of what we have stewarded together. And this isn't just me handing off the baton. This is all of you. And so what we're going to do is, um, if you'll give Kathy and I the chance at the end to be at the back, so that when you're getting ready to leave, we'll be back there to see you. There are some markers, and we'd like you to all sign. Don't sign large, because we've got to get everybody's name on here. But we want to sign, everybody write your signature on this baton that we will hold on to here at uh, the Stony Brook campus of Center Point, symbolic of what God has done this day and for the future. So what we're going to do is I'm going to hand the baton to Scott, and as I'm doing that, we're going to ask Brian to pray uh, over this transfer of leadership, transfer of churches, and... Uh, Ask God to be blessing every aspect of the process, all right? So what I'd like you to do is just, again, to extend your hand as a symbol of blessing this whole process. And so, Scott, it's m my privilege to uh, hand this to you and take care of these people. I know you will. Treat them well for God's kingdom. Thank you, guys. Let's stand together and have the worship team come as we get ready to sing our closing song together. And as...